You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. guest today. His name is Robert Langdon, and he is a teacher, a poet, and a curator at the Westfield Gallery. It's called Gallery U Boutique. Um, And to be completely transparent, I now have a piece, two pieces, in the current show that's going, that's uh, being exhibited there. Hi, Robert. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. It's a delight to have you. So we should, I guess we can start off by talking a little bit about the gallery itself. Um, You said that you wanted to talk about the current show, which, of course, I am very interested in. Sure. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Uh, well, let me just let me just give you just a quick background of who who we are. Um, we're Gallery U Boutique, and we're owned by a uh, company called Universal Institute, which is a rehabilitation center for adults with traumatic brain injuries. So, the gallery acts as a vocational training program for our TPI clients. Um, we have a number of. Uh, clients that come in throughout the week, Monday through Friday. Um, they do various tasks. They do some inventory reconciliation in the boutique. Uh, they help us promote the shows that we do, the different events that we do. Um, so the whole idea is they're there to um, to work. They get paid for the work that they do and also to engage with the community. Uh, but we're fully functioning art space. Uh, we have monthly group shows. We usually have a, a solo Series on our uh, boutique wall, um, yeah. So that's that's gallery you in a nutshell. How did I, I, you know, having only known the gallery for about three years, how mm-hmm. did it get started? I mean, I maybe I I wasn't that familiar with the the marriage between the art and the patients. 
Right. It was, uh, it originally started in Montclair. We had a small gallery in Montclair, um, which a few clients, TBI clients, would go to during the day. And it was very successful. The community really welcomed it. Um, so they decided to open up another location in Red Bank. Right. Um, which was, uh, you know, a much larger location. Uh, at the time, I was doing a poetry reading series for the gallery in Montclair. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was very successful. And they asked if I would be interested in going down to Red Bank and bringing the Red Bank Gallery up to speed. Um, so I went down and, um, the community just automatically welcomed us. It was a really wonderful experience. Um, but we did, we had, uh, gotten a location in Westfield, which is midway between our rehab center in Livingston and also Long Branch. So um, we decided to consolidate in Westfield, where we could offer uh, more work opportunities for our clients. Well, the space is really uh, very comfortable for both purposes. You right. know, the functionality of it seems even more efficient than than Red Bank because it has yes. in the front it has the boutique and the gallery, and then behind it has this very uh, inviting workspace. Yeah, it's a very large space. It is. It, it's really yeah. enormous, and but it is a terrific space. But I still don't understand who came up with the idea of art working. I mean, was part of somebody in the gallery uh, or someone? Uh, yeah, working it was with the idea of um, like art therapy because it's, you know it's art and. Well, we don't really we don't re- we use elements of art therapy, but we. It, there's not really art therapy done on the premises. It's mostly vocational therapy. Okay. Um, but the idea was from Robert Greco, who was the, uh, or is the, um, executive director of the program there. Um, so it was his idea rather than, um, you know, putting, um, putting our clients in front of a television or playing bingo, um, decided to, uh, you know, stimulate their minds, get them active, um, get them involved in art. Um, and it was a, really, it was, a, it was very successful. It still is very successful. Well, absolutely. I mean, it has, even though it, it's not labeled as uh, art therapy, the therapeutic benefits of, oh, absolutely. of working yeah. as, a, as part of a group and uh, expressing themselves through the art itself has yes. enormous uh, benefits. Well, that's one of the reasons why we have our Courage Go, uh, <laughs> which is celebrating National so- uh, Social Worker Month, in, right. uh, which is March. Right. Um, so we started this in Red Bank. Um, it was uh, brought to my attention by um, a therapist down in Red Bank uh, and also an artist, Lou Story. Um, and we worked on the first one together. And it was, it's been very successful. So we've been doing it every year. Um, it, it's a great reflection of the business that we're in, um, you know, being a rehabilitation center and using, you know, various forms of therapy. Um, so it was, it was a natural fit. And it's wonderful to bring exposure to uh, a lot of artists who don't necessarily have the time to market themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to do it for them. Well, it's actually also was an incentive because yes. once, uh, you know, myself included, uh, I don't know how I got you. Somebody, one of 
um, either a friend or just a, I don't know, there was an interesting networking thing that happened where I got the notice that you were looking for social workers who also were working, doing art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember coming down and visiting you in Red Bank, w- visiting the gallery just to see what the heck it was. I mean, it just seemed so intriguing. And it was such a magical experience. I really found myself um, kind of turning my head around so that I would begin to think about a project or, or a piece that would be accepted into the into the show. And it was such a terrific experience to... Oh, well, it's- yeah, <laughs> you know, to to do that, uh, and and what was really special is meeting other social workers who are working in all different kind of um, facilities, from private practice to um, inpatient or outpatient facilities, and coming together with other uh, social workers. It was <laughs> kind of an interesting uh, network to connect yeah. in that way. And I found that very special. And yes. So that was really a unique experience. And then, of course, what was ironic is that I I met Amy Abrook, who was, turned out to be my neighbor. Um, <laughs> and we met in Red Bank again. Like, we, we met in Red Bank, and we realized that we lived around the corner from each other. So, for, <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a, a funny arrangement. World. It was a very small world, and mm-hmm. actually, what happened was that we both had been wanting to do something for this for this march, and we actually nudged each other into finishing pieces that we had been working on so that we could submit. So I'm glad you did. Me too. I mean, it was a wonderful. Um, there is something very special about doing something coming from yourself, mm-hmm. rather than oh, because. You know, in the field, you're very often nurturing others, and this was yes. an op- a wonderful opportunity to nurture ourselves. So I found that very special and, and a unique experience. Um, yeah, I hope that, you know, if uh, folks in the area, uh, the show will be up until April 4th, will be our last day. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, please stop by and have a look. Um, it lends is a wonderful interactive piece. Um on the um, Alzheimer's journey, um, and participants can contribute to the book that's there. Which was a surprise, because one of the clients uh, decorated and created the cover for the journal that's in front of the piece. I was really touched. I, I really, I, oh. I would like to thank the person. I really, I thought that was really wonderful. I have to go back. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I have to go back to see what people um, are writing in the journal. I'm looking forward to that interactive uh, experience that'll that'll carry forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, you tell. So you wanted to talk about, I think, the next. Um, Show that's coming up, and then yes. you know we could exper- we could talk about the uh, poetry piece. Sure. Well, um, well, this this will actually is the natural lead into the poetry piece. Um, April is National Poetry Month. It's the twentieth anniversary, mm-hmm. um, so we are going celebrating it with Ekphrasis, um, which is um, basically what I'm doing is I invited a, a number of artists 
and poets to participate. Artists were given the opportunity to submit some existing art, and poets submitted some existing poetry. Um, the artists were to connect with a particular poem and create a new piece inspired by that poem. And on the other hand, poets were encouraged to connect with a piece of art and create a poem based on that piece of art. Um, so the, the, the interesting thing we'll be seeing and trying to figure out which came first, <laughs> the uh, piece of art or, or the, um, the poem. Uh, it's coming together really nicely. We're going to be doing a uh, preview at the Montclair Art Museum as part of their first free service days, which is on April 7th. Mm. Uh, there'll be a meet and greet from 5 to 6, and then a uh, short poetry reading starting at 6. Uh, it's going to be a small portion of the show, just a little sample. Uh, the following night is the opening, and all of the pieces will be exhibited, uh, the artwork side-to-side -side with the uh, poem. Mm. Uh, we're going to be featuring Gwyneth Green in our boutique. She's she's actually the one that brought this to, uh, to my attention, because she's been working with a number of artists, and we were thinking about doing it for the solo show in the boutique, and I thought, well, let's try opening it up to other artists also. Mm. Um, so... We're going to be featuring Gwyneth's work in the boutique and also a few pieces as part of the main uh, exhibit at, uh, in, in the main gallery. And then finally, um, on April 17th, which is a Sunday, mm -hmm. as part of the Westfield Art Association, we are going to be celebrating National Poetry Month outside of Gallery U on a Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4. Uh, we're going to have the little, uh, the creative caravan, which is a small little plastic, uh, antique trailer that houses the little book project, which <laughs> is a uh, little small four by four books from artists, um, all over the world, basically. Mm. So they're going to come up, the books will be available for people to have a look at. There's going to be some poetry activities on the sidewalk for both children and adults. And then we're um, going to have a reading at two o'clock inside the gallery for the, uh, expression. Oh, so this is going to be physically outside the gallery? On the 17th, yes. But, I mean, it, it, it's literally going to be on the sidewalk? The Westfield Art Association celebration, yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But the event, the, the show itself is inside the gallery. Oh, okay. The exhibit. That, well, that sounds very exciting. I mean... I'm very excited. I... Well, I'm going to put it on my calendar <laughs> because that sounds very special and, and unique. Um, you've been writing poetry yourself for a very long time. and well, Probably about 30 years, yeah. Yeah, it's a couple of years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I've been reading your, the, the, your poetry book, The Candied Road Ahead, Poems and mm -hmm. Stories, and... They're very intense, <laughs> and they can be, yeah. Very engaging, though. I mean, it, they're riveting. Um, Thank you. I was—I don't know if you have any of your poems in front of you. I do. You do. Is there a mm -hmm. poem that maybe you would uh, share with us that you think would um, would be? I, Robert. Okay. 
I think I lost Robert for a second, and hopefully he will be right back. Um, but, okay. Hi, we lost you, and you're back. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Technical problems happen. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering whether or not you might be able to read something that uh, was particularly um, important to you or special or something that maybe sure. Are you going to be doing any uh, of your own poems in the upcoming the- show? Yeah, I have a number of pieces, um, which I'm very excited that a uh, number of my, my poems were chosen for an artist who's going to create, um, you know, their interpret- interpretation of an individual form, um, which I'm very excited about. And I've chosen a few pieces myself that I'm writing new poems. Okay. Well, the piece that I figured I'd read is called Mauled. Okay, um, what page is it? It is page 19. All right. So I, can... so I lived in San Francisco for 13 years, and um, I live in New Jersey, in a you know, regular suburb in New Jersey, mm-hmm. but things have changed so much in the last 20 years um, with the development of, you know, all of these townhouses popping up, and just, it, it, the landscape has completely changed. And... Up the street from where I grew up is a mountain that they basically tore down to put up condos. So this was my response to to what's been going on. Okay. Mauled. The Disney dream is a lie. Bambi has been rewritten. No longer is it the danger of flames and firearms. It's crossing a four-lane highway and being trapped against the median. A warm blood flower stroked by the wipers of a Humvee. The roads are littered with animal parts, scattered like pummeled puzzle pieces. Turkey vultures claim their day, an overkill of death, their feathers defying the cars zipping by. Displaced crows pepper the sky above Walmart, soaring around the naked tree branches, or feeding off discarded fast food french fries. Their gut all cause, thick with resignation, trumpet the air. Woodland creatures claim a piece of their space that has been replaced with snow-speck cement, whitewashed fences, and air-pumped Christmas decorations, big as the SUV sentries standing guard. We have raped the land, stolen the forest and rebuilt it with doors and bay windows. We have given the mountains a mastectomy. Condos and spoiled children sprout up like mushrooms. Fungus much too wild, too rich, and much too toxic to the touch. Well, that's um, certainly a... An incredible description of uh, how man takes over nature um, yeah. in the most um, in the most etched way. I mean, it, it, it. I mean, clearly, you have a strong attachment to the way nature should flow, and this yeah. was the um, 
antithesis, the, the mall, I, the fact that you called it mauled is really, <laughs> says a lot. Just, it's a bit just, of a play on words. Yes. <laughs> it says a lot in terms of um, what we're doing to our environment. Um, yeah. It is a, it's, it's a horrible thing. It is. And hopefully what you do in counterpoint to that, which is creating art and poetry and bringing people together in ways that bring the best of people forward instead of the negative. So it's, it's, you know, it's really, so, I mean, I don't know what journey you took in turn when you were out in um, California, but something happened, I, I would gather. You grew up here, right? Didn't you grow up in New Jersey? I did. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I moved out to San Francisco when I was 26. Mm-hmm. And I lived there for 13 years. Um, a wonderful experience. I, I came alive out there. I grew up out there. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, it's, it was a, uh, I experienced a lot a lot that I really think I wouldn't have if I hadn't left New Jersey. Um, and then I came back to New Jersey with a different sense. I was a different person. Um, more balanced, more... Um, I was an adult. You know, I came back and I, I think I celebrated my 40th birthday on my first year back in New Jersey. But I came back to be with my family. Mm-hmm. My family's very important to me and... You know, being away from them was difficult. What pulled you to California? That's a good question. I just, I had nothing going on. I was, um, you know, I was 26. I had tried a few different things. Mm-hmm. Went to photography school. Um, I worked, I did photography for a couple of years doing uh, catalog still life um, for uh, Macy's, Lillian Vernon. I don't know if you remember that catalog. Sure, absolutely. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a number of years. I went back to school to get my certification to teach, and in the middle of that, I went out to California um, with a friend who had $50 tickets. <laughs> um, and like Marion Singleton in Tales of the City, I wound up moving out a month later. <laughs> Knowing one person and just taking the chance and and I'm glad I did. It, made it, it, it sounds like you were able to find yourself being with yourself. Yes, exactly. And that, that's always a challenge. Well, that's very brave also, but it, it sounded like you were struggling with, uh, you know, identity in, in terms of who you were and within the context of your own family. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a gay man, and I think uh, m- most... most uh, gay men and women, I would, I would think probably more men, I'm not sure though, um, go through that struggle. You don't want to disappoint your family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, I know in my, in, in my own coming out, I didn't want to disappoint my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know she wanted me to have a family, um, you know, but it wasn't in cards for me. It can be now. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, of course. You can marry your partner and... Yes. Um, have children, if that's, you know, the direction you want to go. But it, it isn't, isn't it fascinating how we can take one turn in our life and then 
have so many things coalesce. Oh, yes. You know, almost, you know, what, uh, which road is taken and, and how to make it work for us. Um, so many people um, stay the same or follow what's the expected path, and yet they're not happy or they're not realized as to who they are for themselves. They, they just, you know, put one foot in front of the other following the footsteps that have been laid down before them. And it is interesting how how one makes a turn. So you just, you followed your heart, really, or you followed your friend. I don't know which one. Uh, my heart, yeah. I just, um, I just needed something different. I, I felt like I experienced everything that I could experience where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, really, I wanted to grow up. And I felt like I couldn't in the situation I was in. Right. Um, I'll tell you, it was, it was one of the scariest things I've ever done was to just move somewhere not knowing anyone with very little money and just starting, you know, starting off life. Mm-hmm. There were a number of times where I just wanted to come home, but I didn't. And, you know, I, I made a, a really nice life for myself out there. So what some kind of... wonderful friends and mm-hmm. some great experiences. It was, it was, it was all a, a wonderful experience. So what kind of things did you say to yourself when you were afraid and, and thought that you were going to turn around and come back? How did you um, stay solid, stay grounded for yourself? Um, well, you know, I, I didn't want to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always kept a very positive attitude. But there was one thing my, my father had said to me, and... and um, and I'm glad he said this. He had, he had said to me when I told him that I was, you know, my parents that I was moving out to California, he said, you'll be back in a couple months. <laughs> like any father would say. But that stuck in my head, and it was a challenge that I cannot go back. I have to prove him wrong. Uh, 13 years is a lot longer than a few months. You know, I wanted to mention that yes. this is a call-in show, and people can call into City World Radio yes. at 212-631-7553. That's 212-631-7553. And this is Lynn Macarin Mara on Better Days, A Positive Approach to Life. And I'm talking to Robert Langdon about poetry and art and self-discovery. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so one of the reasons why you didn't go back, come back to New Jersey was a challenge. Uh, uh, maybe your father meant it as a challenge? Do you think that was his intention? Uh, you know what? It may have been, knowing my father. <laughs> and it wasn't, and he, he didn't say that. I, I, I believe he didn't. I don't think he said that with any kind of malicious intent. Mm-hmm. I think if, you know, he did say it as a challenge to me. And you took it up. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. <laughs> and you know what? When I came back 13 years later, I had two two good years with my dad before he passed away. Mm. And that was the reason why I wound up coming back is that, you know, I, my father had a triple bypass and I came out for that. Mm. And it was it, it was a slap in the face of reality that, you know, I don't have much more time with, with my parents. Hold on, we have a caller. Oh, wonderful. Hello. 
Hi. You're on the air. Hi. Turn your radio. Turn your radio down. Turn. Turn your radio down. Okay. Let me go. Hold on a second. Hold Great. On a second. Thanks. Hi. Hi. My name is Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. For Robert Langdon. <laughs> That's Hi, wonderful. Carolyn. Hi. Um, Robert. Yes. Tell him to say hi. Say hi. Hi. Hi, Robert. Hello, Carolyn. Hi. Hi. How um, are you? I've I've heard you um recite your poetry. I think it's wonderful. Um, oh, thank you. Thanks. Do you have another poem you can read? Um, sure. That would any be per- yeah. any particular one. Well. Or of my choice. Always a good one, but you can always pick one. Okay. Um, you know what? I would like to one of one of the. I, I just. I'm going to read a. Um, there's a series that I do of fairy tales. Okay. Um, if that's okay, Lynn, if I could, if I could read one of those. Okay. Let me just okay. say goodbye to Carolyn. Unless you had something yeah. else that you wanted to say. No, no. Thank you so much, and I appreciate the show. It's a great show. Thank Thanks you. so much. Call again. Thanks, Thanks, Carolyn. Bye, Bye, Carolyn. Okay. Go ahead, Robert. So you're going to read from... um, One of the reasons why I got involved in poetry is I discovered Anne Sexton. Um, Oh, hold on a second. We have another call. Another call? Wow. Yes. Hello, you're on the air. This is Lynn McRamara. Who am I talking to? Hello? Hello? Nope, they didn't speak. Okay. Maybe they just dialed back. Okay. I'm going to... All right. Okay. So, Robert? Yes. Okay. So, you you said you had a series that you do about fairy tales. Yes. Fairy tales have always been um, an interest of mine. Um, so, Anne Sexton had done a collection of poems called Transformations, where she took classic grim tales and sort of made them her own. Um, and I love the idea. I love the series of poems, and I... Did the first one as an exercise, and I, you know, I have I have a few others. That, are they in the um, same book? There are two in this book. Yes. Okay. Uh, one of them I'm going to read. Um, this is actually the, the the last caller is a, a good friend of mine, um, Carolyn. She and her partner Beth had um, got married in a, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and they asked if I would read a poem for their wedding, um, oh. poem of my choice, and. You know, I, I'm, number one, I'm not much of a sappy love poem kind of guy. <laughs> um, so I decided to write a poem for them to read it at, at, to celebrate their, their marriage. So this is, uh, this is what I came up with, and it's a little short tale. Okay. It's called The Tale of a Wonderfully Curious Romance. Okay. Once upon a time is the way most tales begin, but this one is a little different. In a pink palace, nestled away on Mackenzie Avenue, lived the young princess, some called Little Joan. Unlike most princesses, this sovereign girl dressed in leather and defiantly changed her lovely locks from honeyed gold to jet black. <laughs> she realized early that she would rather rock out than frolic in a field, as most princesses tend to do. She built a music chamber in her dungeon where instead of picking petals, she picked a guitar. She tutored herself in the arts of Townsend and Honeyman Scott until she found her own groove. Mm. 
She never allowed herself to be wooed by the pursuits of gallant princes, but instead invited a dandy one to the ball. There they exposed their true selves, despite the traditional corsage and boutonniere they pinned to one another's bodies. Over the years, this maid grew into a maiden. Her virgin skin gave way to a magnificent tapestry that included dancing skeletons and Sir Ozzy with roads. Her golden locks returned, but the cut was rumpled and too unprincess-like for some with traditional taste. A series of doomed loves and failed musical troops only seemed to strengthen this maiden's resolve for finding her own unconventional fairy tale ending. A few provinces away, in a different garden in this, in this same state, lived a daintier princess. Unlike the rocker one, this noble maid followed a more time-honored path. She harvested great joy tending to her gardens, giggling and frolicking among her flowers. She held an affinity for horses, as many maids do, and fell into popularity among the youth of her kingdom. She cheered on the masters at the royal games and acquiesced to the courtships of noblemen with a titter and coy flutter of her fan. Hmm. She adopted the classical veil of princess by tossing a bouquet into a hopeful crowd of maids and by dutifully rolling over, uh, ruling over a nobleman, nobleman's castle. But this contentment was short-lived, for she found herself trapped in a tower built of tradition and Tupperware. <laughs> she found this storybook life was one unworthy of her pursuit and escaped this stifling stockade. She, too, embarked on a pilgrimage for finding her own unconventional fairy tale ending. One princess preferred the grating of rock and roll, while the other preferred the twang of country. So it may come as a surprise to learn that it was music that bound these two together. One maiden's resting quarters renovated into a music chamber for the other, and one maiden's horsepower gave way to the power of another's horse. In time, their love at first sight renewed into a love usually only reserved for the conclusion of, of fables. The daintier and rocker, rocker princesses found in one another the happy ending that they were searching for. On one picturesque day, these two princesses stood before their court and expressed to one another a devotion built on truth. Those present were enchanted forever by what they witnessed that day and by the knowledge that sometimes it's not always a prince that rides in to save the damsel and that sometimes it's not always a horse-drawn carriage but rather a horse-powered hog that carries them into happily ever after. Oh, Robert, that yeah. is... Uh, yay! <laughs> so that was written for Carolyn and Beth. Oh, that's really ma marvelous. And what? it is one of my favorite poems. Oh. Uh, and actually, that's one of the poems that was, um, that was, cho that was chosen for the uh, Ekfrasi series uh, show that's coming up, Gallery U. A really wonderful um, artist, Amy Puccio, who is a... She makes really fantastic uh, sculptures out of... Um, uh, frame pieces. She's mm. a framer by trade. Mm. Uh, so she's creating a piece based on that, and I'm really excited to see what she comes up with. Oh, I can't either. I mean, that that's going to be really exciting. So, uh, that poem, I just, I, I really love that poem. I thought it was really wonderful. 
Um, Thank you. It, they must have been really touched. Yes. By yeah. by your your poem. Um, yeah. So, how does one find your vo- our voice in in poetry? What began your exploration or expression in in poetry? Um, well, I have to give credit to two people. Um, Anne Sexton. Mm-hmm. I discovered her when I took a women's literature class in college. Mm. And um, just her, her words really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it opened the door to poetry for me. Um, up until then, poetry was, you know, a little stuffy. Um, I didn't get the, um, you know choosing one road kind of kind of thing. I didn't get to Robert Frost, although I do now, and it's beautiful. But at the time, I didn't, and Anne Sexton's words really spoke to me. She's very visual. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of twists. Um, she's very narrative. Um, and I love the idea that the way she started was at the suggestion of her therapist mm-hmm. um, as a way of release. So... I started that myself, um, and um, connected with a, another wonderful poet who's involved in this exhibit coming up, um, Patrick Hammer, mm-hmm. um, who sort of became my mentor um, with poetry. Um, you know, we would workshop some poems together. I joined one of his groups. Um, it was, you know, he he really um, he really mentored me into, into becoming a poet. And finding my voice, you know, I'm I'm the only one that found my voice, I suppose, and that came from uh, discovering different poets, um, finding what I liked, and trying to, you know, emulate them. Um, yeah, it was it was a process and life. Yes. You know, a lot of my poems are very personal. Yes. Um. It's it's interesting because I'm um, you know I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm somewhat shy, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a private person. But it's interesting that I have a problem. I don't know, saying going up to someone in a bar mm-hmm. back in the day. Sure, but I have no problem getting up in front of a crowd of strangers and reading a poem that I wrote about my first masturbation experience. Well, it's, uh, life is full know. of inconsistencies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you know, so, we, yeah. but it is, it's fascinating how, um, well, it is, when you're reading to a crowd, there's the, a different kind of a you that you're using. Um, And you put on a certain hat, there's a performer, and you have a space between you, the words, and the audience. When you're talking to somebody at a bar, one-to-one, there's an intimacy that automatically gets set up. And and that kind of closeness... um, can be threatening because you don't know if you're going to be, you know, rejected or um, invited. You know, you don't you don't know which way I can go. But w- right. when you're reading, you're totally in charge. Yes, exactly. You know, and I, I think the other thing too is that I do, I do write to get things out of me. 
to get emotions out of me, mm-hmm. to get issues out of me, to work out problems. Um, and then once I, you know, once that's complete and it's out on paper, it's mm-hmm. done. I can sort of disconnect it from from me. Well, I think that that's part of the creative process. I mean, when I did, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the Alzheimer's uh, yeah. journey. I, it was something that had been, you know, kind of looming or dwelling. Um, within me, and I found that it was so satisfying to have it out and to have it on canvas and paper. Um, mm-hmm. It made such a difference. It was. I was so grateful that you were doing the uh, social worker art, the sm- s- smart, right? We call it. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 we're, we're currently in the middle of it, yeah. So, I mean, I think that that is one of the reasons why people create, because something is within them that has no other way of being brought forward or expressed. Yes. Certainly words, I mean, as a therapist, I certainly believe in the, relationship using words and dialogue but there are so many times that I have had clients sitting with a sketch pad and working on something or bringing a piece in which they allowed themselves to use through the week or through the month um, to examine some of the internal dialogue that kept pushing forward but really couldn't be articulated there's something, I mean, art is such an, a magical um, way of tapping our own inner resources, and, and you certainly have worked in that fashion t- to find your voice. Um, and, yes, yeah. and, and looking into the nuances of your life. Now, when, I mean, some of your stuff is so personal, I mean, I... I I'm almost tempted to say, you know, did all this happen? Was oh. <laughs> you know, well, like, uh, some of it is like, I hope you've been in therapy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I it's hope. not that bad. Um, <laughs> well, uh, some of it, like the the um, the first poem. Yes. Um, no, that didn't happen, and that actually that's the extra. It's it's a poem based on. The Hansel and Gretel story, and it's basically about Hansel and Gretel being abused and abused mm-hmm. and taking their revenge. Um, that was my the experiment I was talking about before with the Aunt Sexton. That that was when I was like, well, let me give this a try. Mm-hmm. And I've always liked the Hansel and Gretel story, so I wanted to put a little twist on it. So no, that didn't happen. No, um, I'm actually quite stuff, relieved. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. But the majority of the other the other pieces came right from um, right from my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I guess when you're going through through situations, it's it's a lot bigger to you than you know maybe to some other people. So I, you know, maybe it's exaggerated a little bit on the on the, the on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also it's art, poetic licensing. Yeah, I mean, it's also considered <laughs> yeah. art. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yes, but, you know, it's, I, I, like I said, I, uh, it's it's very personal to me, and it's a way of working out issues. 
I'm not, you know, I've always, I've always thought it ironic that if, if things are going well for me, I'm not writing. Um, but if things aren't, I churn them out. (laughs) I think that that's, um, not atypical, you know, um, if things are going well, that the the, things aren't, uh, your internal world isn't stirred up and frothy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's calm and quieter, but since you do have this as a vehicle to access uh, your the inner turmoil, and it does obviously, um, it's, it's the way of expressing that has allowed you to perhaps resolve or put it out there so it can be examined. I mean, I, you know, any, any kind of, anything that you put out that becomes its own entity unto itself gives an opportunity for you and perhaps somebody else to look at. You know, I mean, yes. we could take apart any of these poems and really look at it. And sometimes you would discover, I don't know if you probably have read over it and saying, wow, I, I wonder what I was thinking at the time or, oh, I hadn't seen it quite that way. Or someone else might add another twist to it, you know, to say. That happens all the time, actually. And it's it's really interesting because once it's out there, it's no longer mine. Right. And I think that's that's what I love about especially poetry. Mm. Um, you know, you you take in your own experience when you're reading poetry, and what could mean something to me means the exact opposite or something completely different to you. And I love that whole idea. Um, that's why I'm I'm looking forward to um, you know this new exhibit that's that's starting up next month to see how people are interpreting um, both poetry and art. I, I think it's a wonderful experiment. Oh, I, I wish I was part of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, but in answer answer your question, yes, that does happen to me all the time, and people have brought to my especially in workshops. I used to belong to a lot of writing workshops mm-hmm. where, you know, where we would go over each other's work and provide uh, constructive feedback, um, which uh, was, was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would happen all the time. Uh, that people would point out things that I really had no intention of doing, but it worked. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. That adds another element to it that I wasn't even expecting. Right. I, and so, I think yeah. that... I don't, I don't and know that's the beauty of, beauty of yes. creating. I, I think so, too. Well, even my piece that, that I had, uh, one of um, the observers... Um, because the, the way the painting is, that there are... Um, it, it's... A drawing it's paint on canvas and there are words along the top to describe some of the experiences of um, being with or dealing with Alzheimer's um, and I had thought I my vision was that it went from left to right like the reading because I thought well for me the way I experienced it from left was things that were increasing, you know, different uh, doctor's appointments, home care, um, using Depends, all kinds of things. And then on the other end, coming off of it was issues of intimacy and, and passion and closeness and conversation. But it was someone looking at it said, well, it could be either way. You know, it could be things yeah. that were and now they're not, or things, uh-huh. that, you know, so I, it was so funny. I had this left to right vision, 
And they said, well, it could be right to left. And I was like, that's fantastic. I love the, I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you discover you discover new things in your own work that right. is exciting. That it's very exciting when that happens. I, I, the whole creative process is really exciting, and and I think that most people have the ability to be creative and tap their own inner resources, but <clears> somewhere <throat> along the line, they were told that. You have to stay in the line and make all the cows brown and, um, you know, all the trees have to be green. You know, somehow, I don't know what in our, I I don't know so much in the educational system now how art is being uh, used, activated, um, encouraged. It seems like that's falls a little bit by the wayside because of all testing and kind of stuff. I, I don't know. It, it just seems that, yeah. that the creative aspect of life is, I, I want to say marginalized. I'm not even sure that that's it. You know, kind of pushed to the edges, like to the perimeter of things instead of to it more is. of the yeah. core. I, I don't think it's valued in the way that it should be. And it's it's always, um, art education is always the first to be cut in, in budgets. Mm. Um, it's It's unfortunate. We do. Uh, I just want to put a little plug in. We do Please. do a show every year for high school uh, mm. students. It's a um, Union Essex and Summer County um, high school students. Right now, the call for art is out. So, if you're interested, um, check out our website galleryu.blogspot.com, and the submission guidelines are on there. But it's um, I, we do this every year too, and I love this show because it really offers an opportunity for um, high school kids to see their work on a real gallery wall. Mm. It's a great addition to their resume. If the piece sells, the uh, the artist gets fifty percent, and then we donate fifty percent to the high school or, or organization um, art department that 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 student represents. Oh, that's spectacular! Yeah, so. That's coming up in May. Well, there is something very unique about um, Gallery U Boutique. I, it was, from the first moment I, I walked in in Red Bank, I, I was very, um, I don't know, it just it was a totally unique experience. It wasn't like any other gallery that I have, had ever been in. Um, the, the work that was produced, the collaborativeness of the students and the artists, um, it, it, it's very special. There's something, there's, a, there's an open environment that encourages using oneself well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an environment that's, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I really, um, but you have. You've created this in, this very special place um, in which people come together and find their own magic. Um, yeah, it is. It is a very unique model. It is. I mean, there, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, coming from a dance therapy background and working in hospitals with art therapists and dance therapists and um, music therapists. But there's something about the fact that this is not in a hospital setting right. that changes the tone, the texture, and the openness about this space. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I'm really, I want to find out more about Robert and why, he, what was his inspiration? Do you know? I, don't, I really don't know, no. Something in his own life, I suppose. I'll have to, I'll have to do a little research. I'll have to call him, find out. Well, yeah, well, he's, he's an artist himself, too, so, um, and he had owned a gallery on his own, um, so I'm sure this is probably, you know, the next logical step. Mm. Great. But it, 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 it's a really wonderful model. Um, it, it you is. know, and I think we're in a really unique position. Um, and I, I, I like to, you know, I, I think it's important that we work with the community and I like to um, do as much as I can with the community. Whatever, you know, uh, with high school show, we, we by celebrating social workers, mm-hmm. um, by an art therapist. Um, we do a New Jersey art teacher show every year that's coming up in August. Mm. Um, so it's, 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 it's a way of celebrating our everyday people mm-hmm. that just happen to be artists. That's right. Well, everyone you know? is an artist. Not everyone yes. gets their stuff up on the wall, but we are all artists. And I think mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to find our own creative uh, voice, juice, um, is essential for our personal growth and development. And it also, um, as we find our own creative voice, we send that out into the universe, and I think it touches everybody. It's not just... Mm-hmm. It, once it's out, then it can touch other people. Can you believe we are actually getting out of time? Wow! <laughs> I know <laughs> it was quick. I know. I know. This is the fastest, <laughs> the fastest fifty-two minutes <laughs> that you can possibly imagine. So this, I am Lynn Macker and Mara, and this is um, the show is called Better Days: A Positive Approach to Life. And I have had the great pleasure of speaking with Robert Langdon, who is a poet and an artist and a gallery curator. And the name of the gallery, would you like to say it, Robert? Uh, gallery U. Boutique. And, gallery U Boutique. Mm-hmm. And it's in Westfield, and it's a wonderful place. What? Websites. Oh, the website. Can you? Uh, it's uh, gallery-u.blogspot.com. But if you just put in uh, Gallery U, it comes up, and then you could go to, you know, if you Google yeah, it, yeah. it comes up, and you can go to the website, mm-hmm. and it has all the shows that are coming up, and it's a really special place, and it's a wonderful model uh, for learning, yeah. for, for vocational training, and um, working with people who have special needs, but I think we all have special needs. Let's, let's find our creative sure energy. <laughs> So, Robert, thank you so much for joining me. I hope that... Oh, it's been my pleasure. It, thank you so much, Lynn. This has really been fun. So, um, good night, everyone. This is City World Radio. I want to thank C for being my wonderful engineer, and um, I want to thank all those who are listening. Um, again, I'm Lynn Macker and Mara, and the name of the show is Better Days, A Positive Approach to Life. This is City World Radio. Talk to you next week. If you served
honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education.